Hi there, listener. It's Matthew. You've come looking for an episode of the Children's Book Podcast, and you've found it. Hooray! But you're probably wondering why the name of the podcast has changed. After eight years of doing the Children's Book Podcast, I began a new career as head of podcasts at A Kid's Company About, where I now oversee a podcast network dedicated to producing original content that talks up to kids, centers the things going on in their world, and engages and challenges how they see the world and themselves. All of the episodes of the Children's Book Podcast are still here, but now, if you're subscribed, you'll get new episodes of Worth Noting, a kid's podcast about current events, hosted by me. Something for you and the young people in your life to enjoy together. Enjoy this episode, and I hope you'll check out Worth Noting and other podcasts from a kid's company about... This episode of the Children's Book Podcast is sponsored by Artwalks, kids' shoes based on kids' books. They launched their first line of shoes with six designs by three artists, John Clausen, Scott C., and Joey Chu. Get your own pair along with other great baby shower gifts by supporting them on Kickstarter. To check out their campaign, click on the link in the show notes for this episode at matthewcwinner.com slash podcast, or scroll down to find the link in the show notes displaying on the app you're listening to right now. Support also comes from the Highlights Foundation. The Highlights Foundation is excited to be hosting an important event this June 14 to 16, Building Cultural Competency in Today's Children's Publishing Industry, a working symposium. They've put together a stellar faculty of changemakers to guide you, including Edith Campbell, librarian and social justice advocate, Dr. Debbie Reese, educator and author, Renee Watson, author, educator, and activist, Paula Yu, author and TV writer-producer, Dr. Laura Jimenez, educator and reviewer, and Dr. Marisala Jimenez-Garcia, author and educator. Space is limited, so be sure to register for this exciting workshop symposium today. Visit highlightsfoundation.org slash programs. That's highlightsfoundation.org slash programs. And, and I guess my question has always been, how do we decide what has the most value? Like what, what, and even me as an author, like how, why is it decided that like I, what I create, I literally sit in Starbucks for like <laughs> seven to eight hours a day, drinking overpriced coffee and making things up. Like literally that yeah. is what my day looks like. Who you are and who you love is a personal choice. Have you ever thought about that in the context of the relationships you've held? This is the Children's Book Podcast, episode number 508. I'm your host, Matthew Winner, and today I'm joined by YA author Nick Stone, whose book Odd One Out holds a permanent place on my audiobook shelf. The story centers on the dynamic between three friends, Courtney Coop Cooper, Jupiter Jupe Charity Sanchez, and Ray Chin. Their friendships to one another are complex, at times fragile, at times exciting, and always growing and expanding outward. Odd One Out breaks the love triangle archetype to offer something more real, more vulnerable. I latched so closely onto one of the characters' experiences in this story 
but I ended up learning a bit about myself as well. And aren't those the best kinds of reading experiences? Please welcome my guest, Nick Stone, author of Odd One Out. Hello, this is Nick Stone. My pronouns are she, her, and hers. And I am the author of, let's see, Dear Martin, Odd One Out, and the forthcoming Jackpot. Ooh, congratulations on a forthcoming. Yeah, yeah. gotta keep them coming. Got well, that's true. When does yeah. Jackpot come out? Jackpot drops uh, October 15th, 2019. Ooh, right, we're working on it next school year. That's great. Yeah. yeah. Well, Nick, keeping I'm, it rolling. Keeping it rolling. I am infinitely grateful for you to say yes to coming on to this podcast because I, well, not only having met you in New York at the, the training that we all went to, but also to have read Odd One Out and to feel like it was a book of my heart to feel like, whoa, books can be like this, to hear the voices. I mean, actually, I got to be honest. I listened to it on audio. I read it on audio, as I say. Mm-hmm. So that means I, I literally heard the characters and I heard you. You reading. heard me. <laughs> it, was crazy. Awesome. it was so good. What an audio book. So um, <clears throat> let's Thank jump you. into this book. Do you, can you give just the elevator pitch for Odd One Out? And then I'm going to jump in and say all the things I saw in it too. Yeah, absolutely. So Odd One Out follows three high schoolers as they try to navigate the intersections of friendship and romance and figure out who it's okay to love. Oh, who it's okay to love. Yeah. Oh, man. Did you have, of these three, did you have like... what? Do you have one of these moments where, like, a character walked into your subconscious and just stayed with you? Because these three characters are so clearly defined. Like, I feel like I know them. I know Jupe. I know (laughs) Courtney Cooper. Coop. Oh, Courtney Cooper, that boy. I just, I can't even. Like, the, hearing his voice read by said actor and just the charm and the softness and just the hormones (laughs) hormones <laughs> raging yeah. i yep. loved courtney um he's a, he's, a, he's a boy you know and it's it's interesting right so so Jup- what i say jupiter is who i would have been if i'd been out in high school um so she pretty much is me but she's me kind of on the flip side so i was not out in high school um i had of course a lot of things going on on the inside um but she is that sass and that like down with the patriarchy, like she and I are thick as thieves. Um, and Coop, like I had, Coop is the, Coop, Coop, Britain and Golly. Like those were who I hung out with in high school. They were these big burly jock dudes who were like, they were butter on the inside, you know? It's like, and there's all of, there's these, there's this very well-known stereotype when it comes to jocks, right? Like jocks are typically misogynistic and they are players and blah, blah, blah. Um, But I had really good, sweet jock friends that yes, actually were players a little bit, but that was more because they were trying to fit this kind of toxically masculine mold than anything else. And, and Ray, Ray is loosely based on, I mean, just more like the person of Ray, not, not what she goes through, but she's loosely based on, my best friend from middle school, whose name is Alex. And these characters were, Ray was very, very difficult to write. Um, largely because she and I are so different. Like I am not a people pleaser and have never <laughs> been a people pleaser. 
And I found as I was writing her that like there was a little bit of judgment going on, which made her a little shy. So like I had to, there's some stuff I had to work through when writing her, but with, with Jupe and Coop, it was just, I'm so glad that they decided to bust into my head and tell me I had to tell their story. You had to work through stuff to write Ray. Oh, absolutely. To hear you say that as a writer is such a cool concept to get this character you had to work through who you are in order to see Ray. That's awesome. Yes, absolutely. And honestly, I feel like any writer that's writing solid characters who are different from the person that they are will have to deal with that. Like, I think that if you want a character to come across authentically on the page, you have to be able to, like, interact with them without judgment. And it that took some work with me for her. Like, I had to, I really had to, deal with some of my judgment of people who you know more or less live to make everybody else happy and 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 I had to ask myself like why why do I feel why do I feel this way about her why do I have this judgment toward her and it it had to do with with friends that I had when I was younger and you know yeah I'm a lot more compassionate toward people pleasers now I can tell you I was just gonna say did it change (laughs) you it did it changed you absolutely did absolutely Oh, Ray. Thank you, Ray. I yeah. love too, Nick, hearing that like these are that you wrote, you wrote your friends, you wrote yourself into this book, the voice of these characters. I know you've been praised for your voice before. Uh, I have not I had not read your work before and then was just blown away at hearing how the voices read in this book. Um, just that the the wrestling the constant flip-flopping the changing of of a kid trying to figure him or herself out was something that i was so drawn to yeah and i mean what's wild is that like it's not just kids going through that and i think that as i was writing it that's what i came to realize yes i was writing kind of a love letter to my younger self who was in this place where i couldn't really figure out like what I wanted and like and then there was the, the grappling with labels and like all of this stuff right like we're always we're forced to deal with all of this stuff um when at the end of the day like who you are and who you love is like a personal choice right like you are the only person who really has to live with that decision and most adults haven't come to grips with that yet so working with these kids it did give me a little bit more flexibility when it comes to like the the fact that they were questioning because I think that like if I'd written them older or younger even there wouldn't have been as much allowance for them to to be asking these questions and and dealing with these things yeah but when Jupiter the end of the book has that moment where she stands up in front of her is it the gay straight alliance or whatever organization and she declares her identity and takes that ownership of that 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 the feeling to me of whether it's your identity or not wanting to stand up in front of someone and say, this is what I am today. I want you to recognize me as this uh, and feeling that that urgency was something that, that I, I found really resonated in me. Um, yeah. The fact that everyone else was just like, cool. Um, but Whatever. she really needed to do it for herself. <laughs> it was for her, right, exactly. And I mean, honestly, that's really what it comes down to. And it's so funny to me because 
there really is something powerful about standing up and making a decision about who you are going to identify as and also deciding that like it's fine if you change like those are things that's a that's a a taking of ownership of yourself in a way that a lot of people haven't done yet even even in adulthood no being able to say this is who i am today and i want you to accept me for who i am today and i want you to realize also that in five years i may identify differently i may have changed i may have understood in five years ideally i'm gonna understand myself better in five years Mm -hmm. and love myself better in five years which means i might need to identify myself more accurately in a way that feels more reflective of how i feel a way that communicates more clearly maybe right now we don't have the right words right Uh, and in in those in that time we will yeah and also like it's none of your business anyway you know like and i think that and i think that like having that moment where you're like i don't really care what you think like you're not even that cute like i think that that's like an important (laughs) moment to have where you know you decide that you're going to stop living for everybody else and decide you know okay this is who i am and this is i have to get to the place where i understand who i am and i like who i am so that so that i can best love everyone around me like it's really difficult to actively love other people if you have not come to a point where you're where you like yourself you know i agree and that's where i kept seeing myself in this book is that feeling of needing to declare to everyone who i am and how i identify and how i feel so that they can approve of it i realized and not just wait 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 i got to there's something there's value here in keeping things to myself, a friend reminded me that, like, you need to hold on to that. They don't all mm-hmm. need to know your private life. That's why it's private. Uh, whether they accept or reject you is their issue, not yours. Yeah, It seems exactly. so silly for me as a you know, 38-year-old man to be saying it. But as you said in the beginning, this is a this is a book that's reflecting these things that, that into adulthood we struggle with, trying to just figure out who are we? How are we navigating this world? Yeah. And it's wild. I interact with kids every day that because I do a lot of school visits and I'm, I'm often in high schools. I interact with the kids who have decided, yo, this is who I am and this is what I'm going to do. And then I've interacted with the kids who are still trying to figure it out. And the difference between these kids four or five years later is staggering. Right. So if I can help at any one, two, three teenagers figure out that they get to decide who they are while they're still teenagers, man, like, I feel like I've done something good, you know? I, I think that that, that space, even for those children that you don't get to meet, providing that space in your books to, to be in love with your best friend and to want nothing more than to not ruin the friendship, but God, wouldn't it be amazing if they love me back? Yeah. To have that space and then to take a step forward and struggle with like, yeah, but what would it really, what, what could it mean to our relationship? It's just something that you're, you're providing that space for kids to wrestle. I mean, this is a love triangle book where we know that triangles are the strongest shape, but man, they can be the source of, of a lot of pain as it turns out. Yeah, can mean that there's like two sides jabbing into you. (laughs) Absolutely. Like it's and it's wild, right? Like, I just think about human relationships, right? And I'm constantly having these conversations with friends um, about human relationships and how 
we had this profound effect on each other, even when we wish we did it. Um, and what, what would it look like if we just like let it happen, right? Like how, how do we navigate this space without trying to be perfect? And I think that like, one of the things that I really try hard to bring forth in my work is imperfection. It's, it's just like pure humanity. Um, in Dear Martin, the characters mess up all the time. In Odd One Out, man, they everybody's hurting each other <laughs> at some point or another. Like every single one of them does something messed up to everybody else, right? Messed up it, is right. Just, so messed up. Like you got one person who's doing this behind this person's back just because they don't want the other person to be able to do it. Like it's just, but that's it. That's what we do. Like this is humanity and it's honestly to me, it's most beautiful form, you know, like we're trying to do good by other people, but then we're also dealing with stuff ourselves. And like, if we can get to a point where we give each other that grace to just bumble around a bit, man, like how much better would the world be? Oh, that charm bracelet. <laughs> I had a I had a school. I had a school in Youngstown, Ohio. They made me two versions of the charm bracelet. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, they're they're gorgeous. Yes. Support for the Children's Book Podcast comes from Storyteller Academy. Learn the art of storytelling from published authors, illustrators, and editors at Storyteller Academy. Sign up today at StorytellerAcademy.com. Support also comes from Bharat Babies. Bharat Babies produces children's books about India with a story for everyone. I've featured their books several times on the podcast and through blog posts, but now I've got a special offer for you, dear podcast listener. Visit baratbabies.com and get $5 off any purchase of $19.95 or more when you use the code READINGISRAD. That's baratbabies.com, B-H-A-R-A-T-B-A-B-I-E-S.com. Offer code READINGISRAD. What's funny, I pulled that charm bracelet idea from this book um some christian book about raising daughters and i took it out and i flipped it because i like in this book it's used as this kind of patriarchal tool to control female sexuality like literally that's what it's used for and as i read about it this is way back when i was like fiercely evangelically christian even reading about it back then when i was in that place it didn't sit right with me there was something about it that kind of bothered me and i realized that what was bothering me about it is that when the father in this book the father gives this bracelet to his daughter but she has no choice in the matter it's just like this is what's right this is what these things represent mm. and this is what you are and are not to do so with the charm bracelet the charm bracelet what i was trying to do was flip that whole thing on its head and make it about personal choice, right? Like yeah. this whole book is about consent and, and about people deciding what they do and don't want for their lives. You know, like I, I felt it important to have this girl who identifies as gay not have ever even kissed anybody. Nothing. Like that's an important thing. I was just going to say right? that she's got all the charms that, that jupe for how... I almost use the word worldly, but I feel like it's more that she's confident. Like she knows, she knows she wants to protect herself and she's not going to, but yet she like, that's an okay thing, right? Like that's the thing that like, if you are making that decision for yourself, 
I think that's a beautiful thing. It's when you start bringing in these other entities and people aren't making that decision for themselves that I get a little, but I do think that with Jupiter, it was also important for me to show that like, you don't have to have done anything to, to know what gender you're attracted to, to right? Yes. Like there's so, we, we link the idea of, of, same, of same sex attraction to sex. And I think that that's dangerous. I think that it is unfair. And I think that it shows a lack of equity when it comes to the way heterosexual people and people who are not heterosexual are treated in our society. You know, like why is it okay for a seven-year-old kid to have a crush on a, on a person of the opposite sex and nobody thinks anything of it. But if they come to you and they say, oh, well, you know, Danny likes this guy Trey in his class and he's in the second grade, it's like suddenly this big problem. And there's this idea of like, quote unquote, perversion. And I, I hate that with a passion because it takes the beauty of love of one person just loving another person and it kind of adulterates it, right? Like it turns it into this thing that it just is not. And it drives me crazy, <laughs> which is why you, in the, the book, at the beginning of the book, Jupiter is the way that she is, because I felt that that was important. Like, it's important to see that just because you're a person who's attracted to a person of the same sex, like, that doesn't mean that, like, you had to go experiment and have a good time or whatever to figure that out. Like, that's not a thing that's necessary. She also... Can... No, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, no. Go ahead. I was just going to say, she also has all of these charms but she's not like naive about the world or how like sex or anything like that works yeah which is another thing that i i I found um particularly appealing is just that it's not like it's not like well i have all these charms because i just am you know i mean because i'm naive about everything or because i've been uh told that knowing anything about any of this is like not age appropriate or there's something shameful about it or there's I mean clearly I'm like working through all of my own personal psychology here as I'm telling you Nick yeah, yeah. Um, but I I mean I remember there are these there are these um what are you call them like tokens or talismans or whatever that, yeah. that can be you're right they can have two sides they can mean two different things I love in this in your story that Coop keeps track of Jupiter's charm bracelet as we go throughout the book because of <laughs> jealousy because he's like wait are you uh-huh. sure you sure nothing's going on are you sure you haven't done anything because in this love triangle we're not sure who ray likes and maybe ray's not sure who she uh-huh. likes and jupe to be so head over heels for ray but to find out that ray wants to declare that she has loved courtney this whole time and just sort of doesn't know what to do about it um, yeah. is just something that you're, you're allowing that, that space for, for that bracelet to be also just a way of kind of checking in. And are you, you're my best friend, but are you, are you being honest with me or should you be removing some of those charms now? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's interesting. It really does show how catching feelings for somebody completely changes the, the level of trust that you have for them. You know, it's like, Oh, okay, well I have feelings for you now. So the way that I interact with you has changed. Um, and I'm looking at you in a different way and I'm watching this charm bracelet of yours because honestly I want it to be mine. And like there, there are all of these different layers involved in these relationships. And it's, it's fascinating um, thinking about, so Ray thinking about Ray and the fact that like, 
really thinking about all of them. They all had feelings for more than one person. And like, this is a thing that is wholly and completely possible. <laughs> and like, no, I do not think that the world is ready for a YA novel that deals with polyamory, but <laughs> do not be surprised if I write one at some point, because I do think... <laughs> I just, you are I surprising think it's, me with every line, Nick. I love I'm it. just saying, like, it's so important that we recognize that, like, love is not just one thing, right? Like, and, and I think about um, the way that we've been taught relationships are supposed to go. Yeah. The roots of that are the same roots of, like, hey, this type of love is okay and this type of love is not. Like, it all comes from the same place. It all comes from the Bible. And it's like, we when we don't take the time to unpack kind of the Judeo-Christian roots of everything in our society, we end up with these ideas in our heads, even people who don't share the belief, right? It's like, I don't actually subscribe to this particular faith. But when you don't realize how much of that faith is embedded in our society and in our social mores, like, yeah, you don't necessarily subscribe to it, but you're definitely kind of acting like you do when it comes to relationships because this is and it's fascinating to me also just thinking about like the guilt that people feel when they like two people and I'm like wait why do you feel guilty <laughs> it's like you feel guilty because you like two people like two why people. Yeah. like what that, that's a that's a problem to me right like it's a problem to me it might not be a problem to most people because I'm sure most people do feel some kind of guilt when like oh well you have this person that maybe you're involved with but you're also having feelings for this other person it's like gah what do I do do I break up with person A so that I can date person B and monogamy and da, da, da. and it's it's fine but it's also like it needs to be okay to like more than one person mm. and I think that we all need to get to a point where we don't feel threatened if like the person that we are attached to is attracted to somebody else, dare I say. Like, attraction doesn't just shut off because you get married. You know, it doesn't just suddenly vanish because you've decided to attach yourself to one person, as evidenced by the fact that, like, you know, spoiler alert, Coop and Ray get together. Does it change his feelings or her feelings for Jupiter? No, of course not, because it's not how it works. And I think that the sooner we recognize this and, like, give each other the space to just be human the better off things will be. I don't know. Maybe I'm, I don't know. I, you what do know, you think? I, I, I think constantly about, about this, this notion of like, how do you know from that youngest age, how do you know what gender you're attracted to? You just kind of know. You, you know just do. You, right. you just do. So this notion that, well, you flip it with Jupe, which is awesome, because I feel like in that way, you're almost greeting your audience or the majority, I would guess, of your audience might be making an assumption um, with something that flips maybe their experience on its head, which is that, OK, so you've always felt attracted to the opposite sex. But what does uh -huh. it mean? What does it mean for you and who you are if maybe just maybe you you, you might be attracted to someone who is the same sex as you. I love that with Jupiter, she's always known that she's gay. She's known that mm -hmm. forever. That is part of, of her, of, of her jupeness. <laughs> yep. But, but wait, what does it mean if I might be attracted to a guy? There, there's gotta be something wrong with this. Is there something wrong with me? Is it just that I'm thinking these silly feelings? What, what are that grappling with? What does this mean? Am I, 
is this a defect or is this a misinterpretation of feelings? I think is mm-hmm. something that, that we all, it's just silly that we don't talk about that more. This notion yeah, of I mean, in, in the elementary school, how much we try to stamp out identity or we try to sexualize identity at the elementary school age as if a, a boy thinking that another boy is cute or, or, you know, the way that, you know, I'm in the elementary school, right? So all kids are always like fascinated by touch. They love to run their fingers yeah. over somebody else's fingers or their hair. So this notion that watching a girl do it to another girl is just like a thing that girls do. They touch oh each other's God. hair. They do whatever. Yeah. But that if a boy is doing that to another boy, which I have seen plenty in my years in teaching, that that's Absolutely. somehow shameful, wrong when it's you're over sexualizing it. Why can't it just be that we're attracted to that feeling of touch that we like yeah. the closeness that touch gives us? Yep. Yeah, why can't know. we just yeah, why can't kids just be kids? You know? I love seeing my son hug his his male friends. It's the best thing to me, right? And I'm like, I want you to keep that. I want you to keep this idea that like you can hug and touch and love on whoever the heck you want to kid. This is your life. You are allowed to love however you want to, whoever you want to, as long as there's consent, like consent is important, but it's also like everything that you just said is so important to me. And I think that like, it's important that we recognize and I, and I do understand, right? Like, like I have done intensive research into the gay rights movement, into kind of the history of, and, and kind of the rises and fall, the peaks and valleys of the gay rights movement and, and getting to, you know, it took us a minute to get to 2015 where the Marriage Equality Act happened, right? But seeing what people who are marginalized for their attractions have been through Mm. throughout history, I understand the protectiveness of the identity, right? So it doesn't surprise me when I get the angry email from somebody who's like, of course you would just blah, 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 you know? And it's like, and it's, you know, I'll get it from a person typically like, and honestly it hasn't happened very often, but I did. It's like, there is a desire to protect the space where women love women, right? There's a desire to make sure the space, it's, it's actually seems to be a little, actually, no, it's probably more intense with guys where it's like, well, boy, well, guys love guys. And I see a lot of biphobia, honestly, in both of these spaces. Mm. And I think that that has more to do with oppression than it does anything else, right? It's like for so long, these people who felt a certain way lived in this oppressive society that told them that they were wrong for who they were. So when the people who are right, quote unquote, for who they are, all of a sudden you're acting like them, it's like, oh, well, you don't belong to us anymore. And I get that. Um, But I will always push back against it. And I think that it's important that we do, especially in marginalized communities, that we kind of push back against that tendency to that us and them thing, right? Like I want to like push back against the, the idea of like kind of caging ourselves off. And like, well, you kept us out, so now you can't come in. Um, I think that that is just as detrimental to like getting to a place where everything is equitable and people are treated fairly as as it coming from the other direction. So it was important to me to have Jupiter kind of question in the opposite direction. 
Um, and, and, and interestingly enough, so I had one, uh, my main, um, sensitivity reader is, I guess what we call them. Um, my main sensitivity reader for odd one out was a woman who is my age. She's 33, like I am. And she has, I think she really kind of accepted her gayness when she was 12 or 13. Um, but she's always kind of known that she wasn't attracted to boys and stepped into that attraction to girls at a, at a, a fairly young age. So she read it and she, you know, she definitely provided me with some feedback. And then she tells me, I, I, ran, I saw her recently and she told me that last summer, summer 2018, she had her first boyfriend and like, had this whole identity crisis because she, she wasn't a tra- you said she didn't identify as being attracted to men either at all <laughs> right yeah. so so she has yeah. this identity crisis and she's like i'm actually really glad that i read your book for you because it wound up helping me <sighs> and it's wild for me to hear those kinds of stories yeah. but it, it and it, it's such a fascinating thing because like most of most of the friends that I have who are women who are more or less exclusively attracted to women, every single one of them has like the one exception. Right. And that is something that fascinates me, but it's interesting when you put it in a book because then people are like, people have to kind of face, they don't have to, but like it's kind of shoved in their face. This is a thing that's possible. Yeah. Well, it immediately comes to my mind, this whole notion of like, I mean, we don't need to go down this road too far, but (laughs) this notion of like our obsessiveness with trying to label something that, oh, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not gay, straight, bi, I'm just like bi-curious. I was just trying something in college. I was just, you know, that was my experimental phase. Like, why, why do we make that the story? You're just attaching shame to it. man. Your experimental phase is just shaming stuff. Don't do that. It is. And increasing the stigma. Like, stop, please. Like, it's cool. And it's cool that you liked it. It's fine. Yeah. Like, and it might just Katy be the... Perry. Katy Perry said she kissed a girl and liked it. You did too. That's it's right. Cool. <laughs> you did too. <laughs> you know you liked it. You know you liked it. That's right. I yeah. I just I think that. I mean, this is this is that beautiful place that I could say I see every day coming from the library, and I'm positive you do every day coming um, into schools as a as an author is that. You can just see in our youth that while they don't have it easy, their world or the world that they are building is is much more understanding and inclusive than than we were and we are. And hopefully their voices, or maybe that's our role, is to make sure their voices are not drowned out, that they have a place for their voices to affect all of us and all of all of the ignorances that I carry as an adult because of the way I was raised and the world I grew up in. I count on those children to poke and prod at those ignorances to help expose them so that I can so that I can see them myself and I can mm-hmm. do better. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's there's nothing more magical to me than standing in front of a group of high schoolers and being like, yeah, I had my first crush on a girl when I was six years old. And there's a gasp that'll like trickle across, <laughs> trickle across the auditorium. And then it's like this thing just lifts. I don't even know how to explain it. But like me making that statement in front of a room full of kids who are probably asking the same questions. 
it does something. I don't know how to explain what it does. Of course, you have your person here or there who just will turn their nose up. And I'm like, you're probably in the closet. Um, but <laughs> it's, it, and, it, and, and I say that because I find that the most judgmental people are the ones who are dealing with the questions the most intensely. And mm-hmm. the level of cognitive dissonance they're dealing with is what causes them to be so judgmental. It's fascinating. Yeah, and to um, see that love you have right there, that love yeah. coming out of your voice that like, I see how, how, I see the walls you're putting up and I still love you because you're doing it to protect yourself. Yeah, and one day hopefully yeah. you'll be able to love yourself and take those walls down, but. Absolutely. Yeah. One day hopefully yeah. you'll, you'll recognize this. You will decide what's most important to you is really yeah. what it comes down to. Um, because there are people, I absolutely have, I have more than one friend who is same sex attracted, but married a person of the opposite sex because of their religious beliefs and they're happily married and I would not knock it for the world. If this is a decision that you are making because of your choice, like you are making a choice to abide by these standards, cool, no shade. This is a choice that you are making for yourself. It's when it starts to veer out and when people start deciding for other people what they are, what they are and are not allowed to do and who they are and are not, not bleh, <laughs> who they are and are not allowed to love, that's when I start taking issue. But when it comes down to it, it's a personal choice. And that, that's really what I try to drive home in the book is that like you, you get to decide. Like this is something that you get to decide. It's your choice. <laughs> You didn't even realize that you were writing like the most meta choose your own adventure story possible. Pretty much. No, look, really, it still is your choice. I know I'm playing with these three characters, but it's still your choice. Yep. And I kind of leave the book open ended. So like, who knows who ends up with who, right? Like, I do have a sequel plan, so we'll see how that goes. (laughs) But currently you're still asking the question. No, really, who knows? Children, please tell me. Yeah, right. Like, who? does know but it's uh that's space though that's i i envy those children that you get to see that are in that space of of the of having the great privilege of hearing someone talk to them this way because much like in our libraries that this might be the only time a kid is ever going to get free choice on what they read you're allowing them in that space, that free choice to just think what you want to think. You're allowing that space to be to be sacred in that way. And that that's a that's a mighty task you're doing, Nick. I mean, it was totally selfish, so I'm glad it worked out for other people too. <laughs> and then I walk around and sign some books. <laughs> and I'm like, hey, I'm glad you like this love letter I wrote to myself. To myself. Ah. <laughs> oh. God, I love that. Hey, I'm so grateful. I was watching our time fly by, and I, I'm, that's the best because it just tells me that you and I, our story's not done yet. We've got a no. lot more to go. But I, yeah, I want to tell you on record, much like I did off, that I'm so grateful this story found me. It was one that I as well needed to hear, and one that I'm gonna carry on my heart for a good long while. And I can't wait to see. I didn't even know there was a sequel in store, so I can't wait to see what story. Jupe and Courtney and Ray still have to share with us. But uh-huh. more importantly, I'm, I'm just grateful that you came here and shared your story with me and with, you know, everyone else that'll listen. But most importantly, I'm grateful you shared it with me. 
Of course. <laughs> I'm glad that we met. You know, like it's so cool how like things just bring people together who yeah. need to be brought together. I it's love that. Life, like it's one of it? my yeah, it's one of my favorite. And honestly, I, I of course I'm playing God with these books, but like that's something <laughs> I try to like make realistic. It's like, oh, you just happened to move to my town when I was going <laughs> through this identity crisis. <laughs> Because that happens in real life all the time. <laughs> but, I mean, then sometimes stuff happens in real life that surprises us, which is, that's, that's, mm. I'm going to bring us back to that library to give that question to you about our readers. But it's, it's that magic that, that you write these things and then at the day of your school visit or years later, some kid's going to express to you or not that this was exactly what they were going through in their own way. And that that's something that you tap into that's so so cool and i'm so grateful that that you're out there doing that writing those stories about who knows what's coming next we have some possible book ideas covered right here on the conversation but oh yeah um but that but most importantly that there's there's a reader out there waiting for you to tell that story and mm-hmm. for all of us to you know waiting for us to to put that book face out in our shelves or to hand that book to a child or to, to just make it available so that they can see themselves. Oi, uh, Nick, I'm cutting myself up. I'm, I will <laughs> see. I'm cutting myself up. I'm never going to, I'm going to talk to you forever. I love it. Okay. With a great big smile on my face, I'm going to say to you that I will see a library full of children tomorrow morning. Is there a message I can bring to them from you? Absolutely. That message that I want to send to your kids is that they get to decide what they're going to do and who they're going to be. They get to decide, nobody else. This is Andy Plemons, school librarian, speaker, and blogger at expectmiraculous.com, calling in from Athens, Georgia. The Children's Book Podcast is recorded and produced by Matthew Winner in his library studio in Ellicott City, Maryland. You can subscribe to the podcast and access the archive of over 400 episodes at matthewcwinner.com slash podcast. Our theme music is by Poddington Bear, care of the Free Music Archive. All views and opinions expressed on the show are those of the individuals and do not reflect ideas or viewpoints of the publishers of the books referenced. Want to help out the show? Writing a review on iTunes or sharing the podcast with friends through Facebook, Twitter, word of mouth, or any other means helps reach more listeners, which leads to more content and more amazing guests. And that's a very good thing indeed. Before we leave, I want to give a shout out to all of my patrons, those folks who are supporting the podcast and keeping the lights on care of our Patreon page. Thank you, Jenny, Sue, Amy, Sarah, Kate, Lisa, Darshna, Marianne, Jarrett, Anitra, Mike, Lynn, Link, Karina, Cynthia, Elaine, Doug, Judy, Amanda, Ruth, Laura, Teresa, and others who are coming with me on this journey. You're welcome to come with us, too. Just visit patreon.com slash Matthew C. Winner and pick the support tier that's right for you. 
Teamwork makes the dream work, and each of you are helping to provide the tools necessary to make this podcast even greater. Thank you. We know you value what you put in front of your kids, especially when it comes to screens and podcasts. That's why we're excited to share a new podcast from our friends at Sleepiest, creating bedtime stories to help your kids fall asleep fast. Hello, Abby here. If you've got children and find bedtimes a struggle, I'd like to tell you about Coco Sleep, a children's story podcast designed to make bedtime a dream. Coco Sleep turns a chaotic bedtime into cozy bonding time. The stories are delivered in a pace that gently slows. Rumour has it that no one's ever heard an ending. So search Coco Sleep on your favourite podcast app and let's make bedtime a dream. That's K-O-K-O Sleep and I'll see you there.